So, Father, as we look into your word this morning, we want to invite you to just to help us to understand, have an understanding, and help us, Holy Spirit, as you desire to see us apply your word in our lives. It's going to be unique for each individual, but I pray, God, that we will have ears to hear today and hearts that are obedient to your leading. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. It was September 11th, September 11th, 2001. A date we will never forget. I woke up in Daegu, South Korea, and I did what I always did. I grabbed a coffee, turned on my computer, only to, only to discover that while we were sleeping, the world had changed. In a small town called Gander, Newfoundland, things were about to get wild. They would be the landing spot for 38 planes and nearly 7,000 passengers and crew. Quite the crowd for a town of approximately 10,000 people. Overnight, their population nearly doubled. But rather than be overwhelmed, the entire town sprung into action, making trays of sandwiches, digging out blankets and pillows, turning centers and schools into makeshift hotels, offering to bring the plain people to their homes where they could take a hot shower. Local restaurants prepared food, shops offered to cover expenses for items that the people lacked. The town of Gander practiced hospitality that day and the days that followed. Without asking any questions, they loved and cared for strangers that landed on their doorstep. When you hear the word hospitality, your mind likely goes to a large industry that includes hotels and restaurants, theme parks and resorts, right? It's a multi-billion dollar industry built around creating space for people. Not just any space, but comfortable, inviting, welcoming space. Hospitality means the friendly and generous reception and entertainment of, of guests, visitors, or strangers. But what we're going to learn is that this isn't contained to nice hotels hosting family vacations. Actually, hospitality shows up in scripture almost 30 times. The Greek word for hospitality literally means loving strangers. And so to understand what the Bible says about hospitality is to recognize and understand it to mean the demonstration of love for strangers. Hospitality is not merely showing kindness or even tolerance. It isn't even being just polite. Instead, as one author says, Biblical hospitality reaches beyond people who look just like you. 
It crosses race, income, neighborhood, politics, preferences, just like the gospel. As we go through these next four weeks, we hope to see that biblical hospitality, this love for strangers, is about intentionally creating space to welcome into our lives people who may not usually be there. In September 2001, the people of Gander, they did just that. They didn't think twice about it. They rose to the occasion and they created space for strangers. Without reservation, they created space for people who weren't previously there. And so as followers of Jesus, practicing this kind of hospitality should come naturally to us. As individuals, as families, as a church. Last fall in our vision series, we introduced these three words, belong, grow, and launch. These are the three things we want to be about here at Causeway. We want to be a place where people grow as disciples of Jesus and they grow in their relationship with God and with others. We want to be a place from which people are launched to make disciples of Jesus. And we also want to be a place where people know they can belong. Practicing biblical hospitality is a way to show people they belong, that we have prepared a place for them in our hearts, in our lives, and in our spaces. A place where they can find hope, healing, and community. A place where people are accepted regardless of their background, regardless of where they're from, even regardless of what they believe. And a place where our love for one another is also obvious. A place that creates space to welcome those who may not have always been there. Romans chapter 12 talks about it like this. Paul says, don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Hate what is wrong. Hold tight to what is good. Love each other with a genuine affection and take delight in honoring each other. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. Rejoice in our confident hope. Be patient in trouble and keep on praying. When God's people are in need, be ready to help them. And this, always be eager to practice hospitality. Always be eager to practice this love of strangers. Not in a pretend kind of way, as Paul alerts us to in verse 9, but to really love them. Over these next few weeks, we're going to look at how we can do that. We're going to see how Jesus did that during his ministry. And finally, we'll look at how we can grow as disciples of Jesus who regularly practice hospitality. Today, though, we want to start at the beginning, the very beginning. 
In Genesis 1, we see God prepare a place, create the ultimate space to practice the love of strangers. Genesis 1, verse 1. Let's read it together. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the earth, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. And God said, let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it, and, and it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening and there was morning the second day. We're going to skip down to verse 26. And it says, Then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. There are two things I want us to look, here, look at here as we, can, we begin to consider biblical hospitality. The first is that God created a space for us to enjoy. In Genesis 1, God created something out of nothing. God created something out of nothing. Don't you wish you had that superpower when you went to the kitchen to make dinner sometimes, right? Moses says in Psalm 90, verse 2, Before the mountains were born, or you brought forth the whole world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. We just read it. In the beginning, God created. When there was nothing but God, he created. Before we get too bogged down with the concept of eternity... Before we start trying to wrap our minds around the thought that God always was, let us acknowledge that when God spoke the world into existence, when he spoke light in the darkness and separated the water from the land, when he created this place that humanity would call home, it wasn't because he needed to. It was because he wanted Revelation 4, verse 11, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and were created. As we read on, we see God taking such care to lovingly craft the universe. In Genesis 1-1, he creates the heavens and the earth, the foundation of everything that was to come, this dark, formless surface, void of any life. And then in verse 2, it says the Spirit hovered over the waters. 
And based on our understanding of the Hebrew of this verse, we can see that this picture, the Holy Spirit hovering over his infant earth, like an eagle hovers over her chicks in the nest with the utmost of care. It was the ultimate display of hospitality. It was a demonstration of his care, his power, his delight. God created time and space, and he furnished it with everything we would need to live, not just to get by, but to thrive. He demonstrated to us the depths of his extravagant love, even in the preparation of what was to be our temporary home. And with every big and little thing, with every star, planet, creature, he put on display his glory for us to revel in. R.C. Sproul says, you can't open your eyes in this universe without seeing a theater of divine revelation. The psalmist says, the heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Louis Giglio does this fabulous talk called How Great is Our God. And in it, he takes the listener on a, a journey toward understanding just how great God is and how the universe indeed declares his glory. Think about the sun for a second. After a cold winter like this, right, we're so excited for the warmer days, and even if it is just to sit out on our driveways, physically distanced from our friends and chat, right? The sun is situated 93 million miles away from the earth, and it's 10,000 degrees Fahrenheit. If the earth was the size of a golf ball, a golf ball, the sun would be 15 feet in diameter. Okay, that's three of me. All right? So if the earth were the size of a golf ball, the sun would be three of me. The sun is so big that you can fit 960,000 earths inside the sun. That's enough golf balls to completely fill a school bus. And the sun, get this, is just one of hundreds of billions of stars in the Milky Way. That's what God did for his pleasure and even our enjoyment. He created beautiful spaces and his design just takes our breath away. In this, he shows us the ultimate display of hospitality. He shows us what it looks like to be intentional, to create space for someone or something that isn't already there. And he invites us in. Knowing it would get messy. Knowing it would get ugly. Knowing it would sometimes grieve his heart. He unreservedly and extravagantly makes space for us. 
Imagine the grandeur of our God that he would transcend time and space to make a way for us to call him Abba, Father. Yet that is what he has done. He's created space to welcome people who weren't always there, to show love to strangers who would later be called family. Because God not only created space, but he also holds space for us. And that's my second point this morning. God holds space for us. You know, I worked in property management for 10 years, and I understand the landlord-tenant relationship quite well. It can be good, bad, and ugly. But it's more likely to be a transactional relationship than a family connection, most often. You might think that when God created human beings to flourish as they populate and work the earth, it could have very well been a transactional landlord-tenant relationship. But not our God. Not the one true God. The God who created the universe did it with something greater in mind. As first host, God invited relationships. Rosaria Butterfield wrote the book called The Gospel Comes with the House Key. And she talks about radically ordinary hospitality. This is the kind of hospitality that daily uses our space. She speaks specifically of our homes, but I'd include our church and moments of interaction with others in our neighborhoods. And it's the use, it's, it's the use of this for a specific purpose, and that purpose is to seek to make strangers neighbors and to make neighbors family of God. To seek to make strangers neighbors and to make neighbors family of God. The purpose of radically ordinary hospitality, she says, is to build, focus, deepen, and strengthen the family of God pointing others to God and being earthly and spiritually good to everyone we know. Why can we do this? Why can we point others toward being part of the family of God? Well, we can do this because that is what God has done for us. He's invited us into a different relationship. He's adopted us into his family because God didn't just create space. He held space for us in his heart. And even though before the creation of the world, he knew that humanity would mess up, even though he knew there would come that fruit fiasco in Genesis 3, even though he knew this would be the case, he still held space in his heart for humanity. He drew us to himself and he activated the plan to save the world. Why? Because we were more than just a creature to him. We were more than just messy tenants to him. 
We were more than the sum of our sin to him. We were more than just something that needed to be fixed, something that needed to be freed. We were created in his image. He loved us. And because he loved us, he made a way through Jesus to adopt us and call us his own. Paul reminds us of this in Romans chapter 8, verse 14. It says, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the Spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. This is more than just a biological father. This is Daddy. When we come to God as our Abba, Father, we're coming to the one who knows our greatest strengths and weaknesses. We're coming to the one who knows our pain and our sorrow. We are coming to the one who is acquainted with our grief. We're not coming to the landlord whose investment in us might only be the monthly rent check. We're coming to our Father, our Abba, Father. And Paul goes on in verse 16, he says, The Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And now, if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. God holds space for us. And he invites us to enter into relationship with him. He pursues us. There's a line in a song that I've been loving lately, and it just simply says, I'm prone to wander, but he's prone to chase. I'm prone to wander, but praise God, he's prone to chase. Amen? This biblical hospitality, this love for strangers that we see throughout Scripture, it begins with our Heavenly Father, and it continues through us. When the last plane left Gander, Newfoundland, days after they arrived... They left with passengers who had been shown hospitality in the most biblical sense. This love of strangers that rallied a town to sacrificially serve those they had never met. A people who were afraid, disoriented, hungry, and needing a place to lay their head. The community went out of their way to create space and welcome those who had not been part of their lives, strangers. And because they did, one passenger described them as the salt of the earth. Hmm, that sounds a little familiar, doesn't it? Practicing hospitality is one way we can keep our saltiness. We can continue to be the salt of the earth. 
Soon after everyone had left, the provincial government from St. John's contacted the Gander Town Hall and they said, we want to throw a giant party for the people and the volunteers who had served so selflessly that week. But you know what happened? When word spread around the town, I suspect like wildfire, the people declined the party. They didn't want it. They did what they did for one reason. It was the Newfoundland way. As followers of Jesus, given the hope of eternity, the hope that never grows old, adopted into the family of God, biblical hospitality, it's just what we do. As God made space for us, we make space for others. Rosaria Butterfield, again, she says, we do it because the purpose of radically ordinary hospitality is to take the hand of a stranger and put it in the hand of a savior, to bridge the hostile worlds and to add to the family of God. Who do you need to hold space for today? Brian, I'm going to ask you to come back. Who do you need to hold space for today? Are you open to allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you to show the same kind of love for strangers as our Heavenly Father showed to us. Father, we want to be conduits of your love and of your compassion. We know our world is hurting. We know they need it. We know that they're searching for hope. And this idea of hospitality is so much more than just making our house look good. It's about creating a space to bridge the gap between those who are hurting and a savior who wants to heal. And we thank you, Father, that we can have that opportunity to do just that. So I pray today that you would help us to ask you daily, show us who we need to see today. And then find us obedient to show hospitality, to show love to strangers the same way you did to us. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. Brian, will you lead us in a song as we get ready to wrap up this morning?
stand with me as we sing it again. difficult to shine bright these days. So I want to encourage you to do just that this week. And this week, why don't you crack open Romans chapter 12, verse 9, and read again the words that Paul wrote. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor serving the Lord. Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Practice love for strangers. Have a great week, everyone. God bless you as you go. We look forward to seeing you back here again next week.